Gawis, gawis, gagapsat, manang. Thank you for that beautiful song. Never heard it before, but it's always a bl blessing to hear Sister Naomi sing because she sings from the heart. It reminds me of my mom whenever she sings for the Lord. Um, she really is blessed first by the message of that song. Same talking with Pastor Max, you know, whenever he sings. It's, it's always really the heart behind it. It's not the, the greatness of your vocal prowess or tone or the technicalities, but the message of that song. Amen? Because we offer it as a worship, thanksgiving to God, who deserves everything that we have to offer. So uh, I count it a privilege to share God's word this afternoon, and I don't take this lightly. It's always a privilege to stand behind this pulpit. So it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit of God we can be able to minister to you through the word. And uh, I'm spiritually blessed even yesterday by being in the quad state and also being able to drive through the rain. <laughs> so thank God for the strength and traveling mercy. And for those who were there, they can all testify how blessed we are, how encouraged we are, that we are an army of God. There's still a remnant of believers that stands for the truth, that has a heart to reach out um, God's people in the local church, especially the Sunday school. And today, uh, we were going to commemorate and uh, celebrate uh, the sufferings of Christ in these two elements. But before that, um, we'll have a message first. So we will suspend our study in the book of Romans, and we will go to John chapter 6, and also 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11. We will not be reading the whole chapters of 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, but we will look at John chapter 6, verses 26, all the way to 51. Amen? So let's do a spiritual exercise. Amen? Let's gladly read God's word together. So in due reverence to his word, if you are able to stand in your feet, please do so. This is a familiar passage of scripture because John chapter 6 speaks about Jesus miraculously feeding the 5,000. And we already heard a message from Pastor Abel a couple of weeks ago about that. And uh, this is written in the four Gospels, this miracle. And I believe it's not just 5,000 men that were numbered, but including, let's say, everyone has a wife, one wife, amen, and a couple of children. So probably 17,000 to 20,000 people were fed at one time with five barley loaves and two fishes. A lot of missionaries preach about this. And we know the background. And then we look at verse 26, and we will look for a little study here, a doctrine about uh, Christ proclaiming that he is the bread of life. All right? So if you're there, say a hearty amen. amen. So we will do a responsive reading. It's always good to read God's word together. And if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you that will already give you some understanding of what the text really talks about. So let's read this. Prayerfully, and I hope and pray that uh, we'll glean some truth in this wonderful passage of Scripture. So I'll begin verse 26. The Bible declares, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Verse 28, then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Verse 36, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Oh, that 
For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Not that any man had seen the Father, save he which is of God, he had seen the Father. I am that bread of life. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Altogether, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, gracious and almighty, we thank thee for being our Father, who is the giver of all good things, good gifts. Most of all, Lord, thank you for the greatest gift of all, the gift of your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life, that you have sent 2,000 years ago in this sin-cursed world. So we, as hungry people of the world, will find lasting fulfillment and be filled with the righteousness of God. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to worship you. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to look back of what you have done for us on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord, that as we partake the Lord's table, this communion, this afternoon, may it be a solemn, sacred, and special time. For all of us as Christians, as believers, as we commemorate, anticipate, and also participate in this wonderful second ordinance of a local church. Lord, forgive us from our sins and our shortcomings. Personally, Lord, I know, I acknowledge I'm nothing without you. I need thy wisdom, understanding as we preach and teach and proclaim your holy word. Lord, may the Holy Spirit have a free course in our midst. I pray, Father, that something that is said and uh, uh, proclaimed this afternoon will remind us, that, uh, remind us of the truth but that probably already heard before, but it will not just, Lord, challenge us, but it will change us to be a better witness for you. And thank you, Lord, that truly in Christ Jesus, we can find fulfillment in life and satisfaction Lord, we surrender everything to you today. May you be blessed and be magnified and glorified each step of the way in this service. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. You know what? What do you think will happen on Thursday, November 23, 2023? If you're looking ahead at your calendars, you know that is and we have the traditional Thanksgiving dinner with our family. Thanksgiving turkey. Good for that turkey that will be pardoned yeah, by the president. He or she won't be served, isn't it? So uh, those who love Thanksgiving dinner, isn't it? Uh, I still remember when I was still in college. I go to this church in um, Jackson, Michigan. Uh, pastor is Pastor Daniel White. And uh, he has 12 kids. So he believed in that movie, Cheaper by the Dozen, part one and part two. So all of his uh, members also have a lot of kids. So they already have a children's ministry. Once you go to their parking lot, their uh, vehicles are like 12, 15 passenger vans. Of course, you have a dozen kids, right? 
So they are blessed. And uh, we go there with my friends. Uh, if you remember, Pastor Mark Bitton, Israel, Rusty. We had a singing group then, and we sing in their tent revival and stuff like that. And they're just trying to um, purchase a land, so they're you know, saving money and stuff like that. So what they do is when we come, four boys, they will empty one of the rooms of their kids so we can sleep in their bunk beds. And we stay there for Thanksgiving weekend, and their mom, Mrs. Westheimer, I still remember her name, small little bitty Irish-American, will cook wonderful, wonderful meal for the Thanksgiving dinner. And she will hollered and called out, come to the table, guys. Time to eat. Come to the table. Or gather in. Come and dine. So this afternoon, Jesus has set the table and is also inviting us, come to my table. That's why I love that verse in John 6.35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I love that picture of that bread. Isn't it? Bread is the staple food of a lot of uh, people in the world, isn't it? You can have Kaiser bread. I had some from BJ's. Like big, fluffy bread. Bigger than pandesal, amen? You have uh, cheese roll. It's one of my daughter's favorite. Panera bread. Uh, loaves of bread. And... Um, you know, Atimaira's uh, husband, she is, he is a baker. He bakes really good bread in New York. And they're branching out. So bread is really a staple food. And uh, here in John 6.27, Jesus is speaking to a group which followed him because he just fed them. Remember? 5,000 men and women, children. And so with a miraculous, you know, multiplication of five loaves and two fishes. And uh, I love it. Uh, we studied also in our men's Sunday school. Amen? You can see a lot of implication of the, about the miracle. All right? So he points out, Christ points out the fact that there are better reasons to follow him than just having a temporary feel. Isn't it? There was an instance because he fed them. He, you know, wrought miracles in their behalf, healing the people that are sick, that they are trying to force him to be their king. And Christ has to withdraw himself and depart and go to a place where he can pray because it's not his time yet to establish, settle that physical kingdom. Because the first time he came, he's trying to build the spiritual kingdom. Remember? Christ cannot establish the physical promised kingdom if the people that will be in that kingdom will not have a heart that is transformed by the gospel of Christ. That spiritual, unshakable kingdom is the first purpose why Christ came. And thank God, it's not just for the house of Israel, amen? But we also as Gentiles were blessed by His first advent, His first coming. So, uh, to illustrate this, what do you call a stray dog that you will give a little food to? You know? And uh, here in America, there's a lot of shelters, isn't it? Uh, for dogs that don't have any owner or cats, for the cat lovers here. But nothing for, for the rabbits, isn't it? In Fairland, there's so much rabbits there. And I don't know, there's no rabbit season, only deer season. But sometimes you have to curb their population. But what do you call a stray dog that you give little food to? You call them a pet, no? Because they, you own him now. He'll stay right beside you, but will he find more in you than that? Just a temporary fill? Will he find love and a place in the family? Or will he be dropped off in a better neighborhood or fall victim to an unfortunate accident, roadkill, or this and that. And uh, you know what? Uh, I was listening to uh, the bridge radio, and there was a question there from 3 to 4 p.m. You can ask these two pastors question under the sun. And they asked the question, will our pets be in heaven? Only God knows, Amen. But some people, they treat their pet as their member of their family. It's almost a human, isn't it? And they give them life insurance, term life insurance, medical insurance, isn't it? They sleep with them, they spend time with them, and it's better than having an offspring sometimes. At least that dog, that cat will be loyal and love me, regardless, because they're my pet. But for a human, they can break your heart. 
<laughs> they can rebel, they can disobey. So sometimes they just want to have a pet. Amen? But what's the lesson here? These are just temporary. These are just temporary. Look at verse 31. As we look at these verses of Scripture, they wanted the Lord to top that miracle. Isn't it? In feeding the 5,000 people. And they compared Moses' manna in the desert. Look at verse 31 of John chapter 6. It says there, Our fathers did eat manna on the, in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. He corrected them. Yes, it's not the bread that came from heaven, from the third heaven. It's actually the bread that came from the first heaven atmosphere. Remember manna? When it came down in the children of Israel for 40 years wandering in the wilderness, and there was like a precautionary that you can only gather sufficient, and if you hoard or be greedy, it will turn into worms, isn't it? And imagine that. Uh, they said it will take, what, 50 busload, truckloads of manna to feed 2 to 3 million Jewish people, Hebrew children, who are wandering in the wilderness. Look at that, how God provided for them for those 40 years. Imagine what they did with that manna. Baked manna, fried manna, you know, manang adobo, manang sinigang, everything they could think of, isn't it? And God is teaching them. But that was a miracle, isn't it? And what, what others? You know, they got tired of manna. They got, they got tired from that angel's food, angel cake, so to speak, isn't it? And they want meat. So God sent quails, amen? Quails are low-flying birds, amen? So they just took a stick and knocked them off. Adobong quail, you know? Lempong uh, quail, you know? So God provided for them. And we saw in, in, in that passage of Scripture in the Old Testament that even their, their clothes did not worn out. God provided for His people, for His children in the desert, in the wilderness. So they're comparing that manna that Moses allowed them to have, that God has allowed them to have. But it was contrasted, contrasted to the bread, that heavenly manna that Christ is mentioning here. So verse 32 and 33, and verse 34, Christ responded to the true kind of bread that the Father would give them. So it seems like their mouths are watering. They cannot wait. It's like they're saying, oh, hurry, it's licking their chops, licking their... You know, uh, faces, don't tease us, Christ. When will this bread get here? And verse 35, Christ is just like proclaiming, it is here. You're looking at it. All right? And they said, sadly, really, you are that bread? What a letdown they felt. Then look at verses 41 and 42. They are not thrilled with the claim of Christ that he is the bread of life. And they don't believe. They are not getting the picture here. But thanks be to God, because we have the Bible, we have the gospel, we can look back, isn't it? And we can have spiritual understanding that what we know that Christ is talking here is not about that physical bread, but a spiritual bread. Verses 48 to 51, through our study, Jesus announces the main course, that it was him. It's a spiritual analogy, but these people don't get it. That's why in verse 52, it says there, verse 52, <laughs> look at their understanding. Then the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're thinking like Christ is a Dracula, telling the young couple to come over because he'll make them as their dinner. All right? He will have to have them for dinner. Well, it's not cannibalism Christ is advocating here. Amen? It's true Christianity. Realizing his body and his blood are the real spiritual sustenance that will sustain a Christian life. Look at verses 53 to 58. We read a while ago, hanggang 51 lang pala tayo, no? But if you have time to read that, it says there, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood had eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day you will see that I will raise him up the last day. Amen? What a promise of the resurrection of the believers. Amen? Because he is speaking about his sacrifice on the cross. He will give his body as a broken, bruised, you know, uh, 
uh, body broken in, in the cross of Calvary and his blood that will be shed for the remission of our sins. And he said, of course, that he will be raised up the third day. And those who that believe in Christ will also experience that resurrection power. So they cannot understand it. It's not very physically appetizing what Christ is saying here, isn't it? But spiritually speaking, it's the best eating you'll ever experience as a man, as a woman, when you partake of Christ. That's why Psalms 34 verse 8, it declares, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. Have you tasted the goodness of God? You know, that's the reason you are still here in this afternoon service. Because God is good. Amen. You tasted how faithful, how great He is in your life. That's why it's blessed or happy is the man that trusted in Him. So we can say bread sustains life and Christ's body is the bread. So we must trust in the sacrifice made by that broken body. That's what we're trying to do today in this Lord's table service. So I have some slides here about the bread. And some verses. Amen? Matthew 4, 4. The Bible declares, these are the words of Jesus Christ himself. The word. Amen? The logos. He said, he answered and said, of course, in the context, this is one of the temptations of Christ. While after he fasted for 40 days, the devil came in, Satan himself, and tempted him to make the stones that are there to become bread. Isn't it? But Christ defends He's apologetic, so to speak. He's, he's always using the scripture, the Bible, to combat and refute the devil's accusation and lies. And he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, physical bread, the cares of this world, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Because as human beings, we are created in the image of God. We are tripartite beings. As God's head is... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are also body, soul, and spirit. Our body is our world conscious, our soul is our self-conscious, and our spirit is our God's conscious, especially when you are born again. Amen? That spirit is quickened. It made alive. Now you have a connection with God. So sometimes we overemphasize the body, the external, the tabernacle, this house of clay, but God said, Christ said, we cannot just live by merely Water, food, shelter, everything that the physical needs. We have to balance it out because we have a greater need. Amen? The spiritual need that only God can fulfill. We can only leave the spiritual thing by the word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And that is the scripture. That is the Bible. Next slide. Of course, one of the prayers about bread is give us this day our daily bread. It's not just the pamphlet of devotion. Amen? But it's the prayer. Actually, it is the disciples' prayer, not the Lord's prayer, isn't it? And have you prayed about that? Lord, give us our daily needs. We seldom do that. What we pray is, Lord, thank you for the daily bread. Thank you for providing our needs. Because, young people, let me talk to you. Have you prayed for God to provide you your breakfast, lunch, dinner? No. Because God used your parents to provide for you. God gave your parents the, 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 the strength to have a job so they could go to the grocery and buy food to put in the refrigerator. So when you open the refrigerator, sometimes you even complain. How come my favorite food is not here? Can I get something in the fast food? Well, why not be content? All right? And eat what's prepared. Amen? <laughs> we were trained like that. Isn't it? Why do I spend extra with gas and mileage? Kite my coupon pa, amen? To go somewhere if there's already a prepared meal. Now we were trained like that. I, I cannot complain to what my mom prepared. And she only prepared five meals for her whole lifetime. Umiikot lang doon yung ulam namin. Prito, sinigang, adobo, tinola, prito. You know, okay? And whatever. But we're grateful, we're thankful. And we're five boys in the family. If you're slow eating, you won't have any more ulam or kanin. So Pastor Jeter always cooks. She loves to be, he loves to be in the kitchen because he can save extra for himself. <laughs> or he can already eat some, his portion. All right? Happy birthday, sir. Huh? Brother. 
happy 40th, alright? But give us this day our daily bread. We still have to pray to God. Amen? Aren't thankful you're here in America? I, I tell you, it's still the land of plenty. It's the land flowing with milk and honey. No, that's Canaan, alright? It means, look at that. The food we throw away, even in church, it disappoints me. Gusto nga kainin eh. What a waste. Parang alabaster box. What a waste. The food that America throws away every day with all the restaurants and everything in it is able to feed some parts of the world. So we're still blessed here. So give us this day our daily bread. Next. We have to. All right. This do in remembrance of me. I love that picture. And there you go. Christ is the bread of life. Is that wheat bread? Amen. What is that bread? Is that made from Greece or something? I just, I just like the picture. Makes you want to get some. Cream cheese, isn't it? <laughs> or margarine. Alright, tawag sa atin, margarita? Margarine? Star margarine, to make you grow taller and stronger. Yeah? It's like the, you want to get that and put it in those bread and just enjoy it. Alright? A while ago, somebody gave me a slice of little cake. The white cake. And then another gave me a slice of uh, the black cake, chocolate cake. I said, man, I'm so blessed. This needs coffee in it, <laughs> right? So I have to watch my sugar. That's why probably I'm hyper right now, amen? Before the Lord's table. So I am the bread of life. This do in remembrance of me, the two elements. Next slide. All right, now we're going to go to the grape juice, the blood that represents it. Leviticus 17:11. We know this verse of scripture. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, amen? When you cut me, when you cut anybody who's a human, what will come out? <laughs> is it blue or red? What if it is blue? Your royal blood? <laughs> but they said it's blue inside, but when it comes out, it's red. Is that right? Technically? Hmm. So we all uh, bleed red, amen? So meaning we're all humans, amen? We all came from the same parent, Adam and Eve, amen? We're part of the human race. There's only one race, the human race. Amen? So we all are connected. We all are related. Amen? So to speak. So look at this. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So what happens if you donate blood and they took too much? You get lightheaded. What if you get shot and you lose blood? You might die. See it? Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So we can say blood is life. And when Jesus' blood was shed, his life was being poured out. And all who kneel at the foot of that cross receive that life in a sin-cleansing, life-giving bath. Aren't you glad you're washed in the blood? As the hymn has said. And it's not just covered, but washed away. That's a blessing of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I have some slides here about the blood. All right. The blood of Christ in that uh, chalice, something, it says there, it cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. Next, I love this. The Lord did not check who inside the house was worthy. Remember the ten plagues in Egypt? Huh? And God said, the angel of death will pass through. But those who will follow my commandment. Of, that's the first Passover, remember? They killed an animal, a lamb, and they roast it. They eat with bitter herbs. And they put the blood on the doorpost. And, it, and the Lord promised, if I see the blood, the angel of death will pass through. I will pass over you. Not your firstborn of your family will die or, or the animal will die. But the angel of death will pass over you. You'll be spared because of the blood. What a picture of the coming blood of the lamb. Amen? That will cleanse the sins of the whole world. And I love this. The blood of Christ has the power to atone for an infinite number of sins committed by an infinite number of people throughout the ages. All whose faith rests in that blood will be saved. Because Jesus is the God-man. He is infinite enough to pay the penalty of the sins of the whole world. Because He's God. That makes Him different. Amen. He's the only one that died for the sins of the world who is innocent, who's never guilty. He died for you and me. He shed his blood. His body was broken. But after that, he rose again. Amen? 
on the third day. And uh, that infinite, that uh, somebody said uh, yesterday in the quad state, thank God for that uh, double imputation. You remember we were studying in the book of Romans, the federal headship of Christ and Adam, because of that double imputation, that doctrine, even though our sin was imputed in Christ when he was dying on the cross, also his righteousness, that he wrought by living a perfect life for 33 and a half years, was also imputed in our behalf. Double imputation. Our sin was poured on Christ and he paid for its penalty. And also his righteousness was poured out to us. We were clothed in righteousness. So when we die or when we get raptured, the Lord will accept us in heaven because he can see the righteousness, the beauty of God's holiness in our behalf because of what Christ had done. See, you see, going to heaven is not just being saved. It's not just escaping hell. Amen? That's not the sole reason why God saved us. He saved us to be conformed, the Bible says, in the image of His Son. Because Jesus Christ is God's Son in whom the Father is well pleased. You want to please the Father? Have His Son. Amen? Jesus Christ in your life. Follow Him. Obey Him. Identify with Him. And you will please God. And that's by faith. Amen? So look at this. Another one. The Lord Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption, with what? Through His blood. Not through religion, through ritual, good works, baptism, amen? Nothing else but through His blood. That's why I'm glad I'm a Baptist, amen? I still preach and believe about the blood, the book, and the blessed hope of the second coming of Christ. That makes us distinct as God's people. Amen? Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Next slide, please. We have to hurry. Lord Jesus Christ, the same verse there. And this is the New Testament in by blood which is shed for you, as the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 30. I just love those elements, those pictures that reminds us. All right? So here, in a nutshell, the Lord's table, in essence, when Jesus said these elements before us today, are symbolic of his body. The whole passage that we read from John 6, 26 all the way to 51, this is saying that. Today, he's saying in those verses of scripture that these Jews could not understand, those people could not understand, it is really symbolic of his body and his blood. So we can say there's no saving power in these elements, and none will be saved today by partaking. This is a time of remembrance. He's doing remembrance of me. The Bible says, this is only for those who have been saved by that sacrificial body and that redeeming blood and want to obey the command to remember and be thankful. That's why, isn't it? Uh, I love it when Pastor Max gives an exhortation before we take the Lord's table. It's another sermon sometimes, you know? And then you can really summarize it. When we read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that passage of scripture we always read, you know, we do this in remembrance of him until the day he comes. So we do Lord's table to commemorate the broken body, the shed blood, the love of Christ on the cross. And then we anticipate doing this perpetually until he comes again. We anticipate that before he comes, we are faithful in obeying what he has commanded us. So this ordinance is not uh, optional, amen? That's why it's an ordinance, like the, the borough ordinance. You have to obey. It's a commandment. It's for your own benefit. It's for your own good. All right? So we, you know, commemorate, we anticipate, then we have to participate. By self-examination, by partaking and remembering his body. All right? So before we partake, actually, that's just the introduction. There are seven things I'd like to bring to you, give to you before we partake of the table. Amen? Is that okay? I'll be quick. It all starts with letter P, all right? So come to the table. Before we sit down to a meal, first and foremost, we need clean hands. We had a Sunday school a while ago. The religious people criticized the Jews, the disciples of not washing their hands before they eat bread, okay? It just sits with our service today, with our sermon. With that ritual, it has to go down here, trickle down a certain way, or you, else you are ceremonially unclean. But they forsake the waiter, weight of the law 
of forsaking their fathers and mothers. Isn't it? We had a good time this morning about the Sunday school. This speaks of purification. 1 Corinthians 11, 20, 28, we read this passage of scripture every time we have Lord's table. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Isn't it? You don't work in the garden or garage and then come inside, sit down and eat dinner without washing your hands. Ew, as the American expression is, unsanitary. Ew, all right? What you do, you wash up first. This is why the Bible tells us to examine our lives before receiving communion. Self-examination. Let a man examine himself individually. Amen? That's why we take time to bow our heads, to pray, meditate, confess to God, ask for forgiveness. Because purification is important. We may see something that needs to be confessed and cleaned up. That's why sometimes it's good to do it in the afternoon. Because even in the morning, we already hear the word of God, Sunday school, then morning worship service. And our soul and our spirit is being cleansed by the word of God. Continuous cleansing. But sometimes, of course, we have to be flexible. We do it in the morning so other people can participate. But I thank God they're still here, amen, to participate. You know, I still remember there are times here in America or even in the Philippines when you were kids that you occasionally had to go to bed without supper because you did something bad. Have you experienced that? Ang kulit mo. Hindi ka sumunod. You didn't obey, I'm sorry. You're, you're rebellious. You did something bad. So your punishment, the parents will say, you will not have any dinner. It's like that's child abuse right now, no? If you're here in America. But before, that's your punishment. Isn't it, Sister Bianca? You won't have any dinner because you did something bad. You have to be taught a lesson. Of course, the parents will be compassionate. At 12 o'clock, they'll keep them food. <laughs> Because they're going to bother I cannot sleep. I, I, you know, my stomach is hurting. But we do something bad before we go to bed without supper. So when we come to Jesus with remorse and repentance, amen, we find forgiveness, restoration, and invitation to his table. Some people get so burdened by their sins that instead of asking forgiveness, they figure they're too unworthy to participate. And they pass the tray without partaking. Mga iba nga None of us are worthy, really. Amen? But if we've trusted Christ as Savior, as we are baptized and we are right with God, we can partake. That's why our program here in the church, and I just follow the teaching of Pastor Max, we do the close without D. Amen? If you are born again, you are baptized, and you are right with God, you have self-examination, you can partake of the Lord's table. You can remember what your Savior has done for you. It's not closed. That's only the members. Hindi rin yung liberal, it's open for anybody. And save, save or not, right or not right with God. No. We have also those standards. Amen? Isn't it none of us are worthy? But we are made worthy by the blood of the Lamb as we humble ourselves. We are not eligible, but He invites and authorizes us to come to the table. That's why Psalms chapter 24, verse 3 and 4 the Bible says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Two questions. What is the answer? He that had clean hands and a pure heart. You know why we have to ask God for cleansing? Because he's holy. He's righteous. He's just. And God cannot have sin in his presence because he's holy, righteous, and just. And we are unholy and righteous and unjust. But aren't you glad God has the way to forgive us and cleanse us? And we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Number two, also before dining, we need to have a good appetite, passion. All right? What would happen if you were invited to someone's house for dinner and an hour before the meal, you ate a bag of chips, a Coke, and a package of Twinkies? After all this junk food, You'd have little appetite for the good stuff. What if he prepared a filet mignon? All right? And a full course meal that you can eat in Applebee's. Now, what's a good restaurant to compare? All right? Arthur's Steakhouse in Hoboken. All right? What if you prepared something like that, but you stuff yourself with junk? Will you have an appetite? Isn't it? And sometimes it's not hospitable to be invited and not eat the food they prepared. Diba? As Filipinos, we will eat. Kahit busog pa tayo, diba? 
Kasi nakakahiya. Diba? See? The same thing Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.21. Look at this. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You can have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Wow. What a comparison, isn't it? Sin and righteousness, amen? I don't have to explain that, amen? You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. If there is sin in your heart and confess, you have to confess it to God. No, God offers us a substantive, substantive meal. The bread and cup won't fill us physically, amen? This cannot fill you. It's only a small part, amen? They cannot fill us physically, but they will satisfy your spiritual hunger when you remember it in the Lord's spirit, what he had done for you. When we stop ourselves with the junk food of sin, we lose our appetite for the banquet God has prepared for us. We need, by God's grace, to taste and see the satisfying goodness of the Lord. As the Bible says in Psalms 34, verse 8, you know, this is true. Dr. Leroy Creasy of Cornell University has identified a chemical in grapes that reduces the risk of heart disease. That's why Welch is famous for grape juice. Amen? Heart healthy. Naging kapampangan ako doon. Heart healthy. Alright? Heart healthy. He reports in the Journal of Applied Cardiology that grape juice lowers cholesterol and cleanses the heart of life-threatening impurities. So bye. Welch grapes, amen? Concord, pure, not substitute, all right? At the Lord's table, we use grape juice because it represents the blood of Christ, which cleanses our spiritual hearts of sin, deadly effects, amen? Symbolically, amen? And the Bible says, we are in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. John 17, verses 14 to 17. The Bible says, I have given them thy word, and the world had hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. That's why when you got saved, God doesn't zap you to heaven right away. He doesn't take you out of the world because he has a reason for you to stay here. So you'll bring others to heaven with you. Amen? By the gospel, by being a good witness. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. See? Christ is praying for us to keep us from the evil. They are not of the world. We're just pilgrims. We're just sojourners. We're just passing through. Our heavenly citizenship is in heaven, not in this earth. This is just temporal abode. Amen? I'm glad you have a house. Amen? But you will not live there for another 200 years. Just use your house so other people can hear the gospel and reach out to others who have spiritual need. You know? They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Through thy truth, thy word is truth. You see, we are in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. We are exposed to sin, yes, but with God's help, we can resist temptation. So the question is, do we get an appetite for what God has for us? When we've been dwelling on things below rather than things above, when our perspective is fixed on temporal things, we can get caught up in that which is, has no lasting value. That's why Colossians 3.2 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 to 21. See my basketball dito. Lay up yourselves treasure in heaven. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen? Go warriors. <laughs> there you go. Where neither moth nor rust that corrupt, or nets or nicks, huh? And where thieves do not break nor through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's true, amen? Matthew 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The Beatitudes, isn't it? I think our ladies just memorized the whole chapter a while ago. Blessed be your souls, ladies. I hope the men will do too, amen? So what does Jesus mean when he says, we'll be filled here? I think a lot of people live their lives on empty. They go day to day without much purpose or meaning. When they reach the end, they wonder what the point was in living. You know, one of the things that I heard right now from our young people is this uh, called narcissism or annihilism. When things just are hard, you're sick, you don't have a job, your boyfriend, girlfriend breaks up with you, they just say, I want to die. I want to end it all. Annihilism. 
They're thinking that it will solve their problem. Well, we have an eternal soul that will go either heaven or hell. Don't you know that the rates of suicide is climbing and climbing? Even though drugs have been legalized, isn't it? In order, supposedly to help people feel better, isn't it? Education is up, is ramped up. We know more than we have ever known before with the age of technology and everything, but people are still sad, lonely and depressed without the Lord, you see? People are running empty. They are starving spiritually. There is a famine in the spirit world. Amen? People are starving with what life is all about. Real meaning and purpose. But aren't you glad as a believer we know the real meaning and purpose of life? I always say this, to know God and make him known. Amen? The chief end of man. Well, Jesus is what we're truly hungry for. And good news, he's inviting us to his table. Amen? Third, when we're dining, we also need patience. Time to enjoy the moment. I love it. Um, I thank God for my wife for her patience to me. And one of her dreams is to have her own home. So sabi ko, sige na, lahat ng gusto mo, masusunod. Kasi happy wife is a happy life. So you design the interior of the Fairlawn house. I'll just do the maintenance. I'll be your janitor. I'll be the maintenance guy. So now we enjoy cooking because we have a place to cook and put the food up. But, and this morning I cooked breakfast and I was uh, trying to invite my kids, my teenagers, and it seems like when they have their own rooms, they have their own kingdom. <laughs> and it's like there's a chasm now. We're like we're separated. So I text them. I even give them phones. You know? I said, my oldest, you're 17 years old and you don't have your own personal cell phone. It's about time if you're going to go to college. And I told them, these are blessings of God. So these are used for first communication, information, and spiritualization. Okay, download the Bible app, a devotion there, and I message them, uh, can you come to breakfast? Maybe we can have devotion and stuff like that. But you know, typical teenager, takes an hour and a half <laughs> to prepare for church. So what do you do? I have to be patient as a dad. All right? But uh, isn't it you love it when your family have a dinner together? Sister Cora cooks, amen? Or they order food, <laughs> Looks good. And then you sit down, no phones, no gadgets. Eat, pray, and just talk. Isn't it that's beautiful? You interact, get to know what's happening with each other's life, <laughs> and then pray. Isn't it? And you're not supposed to be in a hurry. You take your time. Isn't it we live in a fast food world, even at home, when we don't take time to make the meal what it used to be? That's why the chairs in places like McDonald's and Burger King are designed so people won't get too comfortable. So they'll eat, live, and make room for more customers. Good business strategy. Actually, right now, they made it comfortable. Isn't it? Have you noticed? McDonald's, Wendy's? But they put a sign now. You can only eat here for an hour. Have you noticed that? Because it's supposed to be a fast food. You're not supposed to stay there like Starbucks two hours. You buy a small little coffee and you use their Wi-Fi and their charger, their electricity, and you're there for three hours doing your homework. But Starbucks are making money, isn't it? Because people are coming. But it's a fast food. I, I just noticed that. I don't know if you notice it. But I have to admit that sometimes... You know, I look at the clock right now. It's 4 o'clock, 5. And after my sermon, I just printed out to the communion. So, But when we come to the Lord's table, our spiritual meal should be the focus of why we're here. Amen? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Number four, need to hurry. We also need harmony at the meal table. I'll call it peace. It's important. Amen? 1 Corinthians 10, 17, For we being many are one bread, and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. And Psalms 133 says, Behold, I love this, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to, to dwell together in unity. This was preached this morning, amen? Despite of our different personal backgrounds, upbringing. May iba ugali, may iba personality, but can you believe it? It's the miracle of God. Modern day miracle, we can all come to church together. Have a smile in our face, sing the same hymn, 
give to God and pray for one another. You know, it's only God that can do that. You know, we were blessed yesterday. Pastor Mike Creed says, special mention, they have Filipinos in his congregation. <laughs> he has multicultural, multi-ethnicity in his church. And it's, it can only happen in a church, isn't it? Some from India, some from, you know, Europe, some from here and there, but they're all together worshiping God. As the Bible says in Ephesians, when you become a believer, you have one faith, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism. So that's why you can connect. That's a blessing. It's only Christ can do that. He unites us. He gives us harmony. We need harmony. We need peace in the table. You know, I heard about a family who got together for a meal, and before long, the table conversation got controversial. Probably it happens to you or me. They started talking about current events, but the discussion slipped into political differences. election Not everyone shared the same viewpoint. And the enjoyment of the meal got ruined as they argued. So we cannot expect everyone in our congregation to agree on every issue. I have differences with the deacons. They have differences in me. But you know, we are expected though to get along. As they said, you can agree to disagree, but don't be disagreeable all the time. Better together, sabi nga ng natin, isn't it? Loving God and loving each other. Oh, I cannot stand brother so-and-so. I cannot stand brother, sister so-and-so. Get over it! You're saved with the same blood, amen? Have the spirit of forgiveness and humility. Malay mo, magkapitbahay pa kayo sa langit. Amen? So not right now, get along by God's grace. Amen? 1 Corinthians 10, 17, we read there, Paul makes a point of saying that we are one body and we partake of one bread, Jesus Christ. So conflict, tension, disharmony can all ruin a perfectly good meal. So sometimes we just need to be positive when we're eating, isn't it? Mahirap na mabulunan habang kumakain. Kasi yung pinagsasabi natin, hindi maganda, di ba? So sabi ng Panginoon in His Word, we have to season our speech with salt. Gracious. Amen? So yeah, there are constructive criticism or being critical, but put that aside. Just be positive. Have a good perspective. You know, just praise God for His goodness. Be thankful for what God has accomplished you. Sometimes we just need to do that. I'm preaching to myself. Sometimes I'm critical with my kids. Because my dad was critical to me when I was growing up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he raised us by the grace of God. Amen? But you, you have sometimes expectation. And when your expectation is not met, you're disappointed. Because you want the best for them. You're proud of them. You expect them to be in the level of something, isn't it? And then when that, not, that doesn't happen, it, so God is just teaching you, be at peace. Be patient. Just pray. Just love. Just remind. Amen? We need to move on. Number five, we need gratefulness for this meal. We need to praise God. Isn't it Jesus gave thanks? And so should we. You know, there is an apron in a gift catalog that said, I love this, kiss the cook. I should buy this apron so my wife will make a good Thanksgiving dinner. Because Pastor Jeter is not around anymore to cook for us, all right? We are spoiled. You know, those who prepare meals appreciate being told that people enjoy their meal, isn't it? You know, it would be a blessing during Father's Day, Mother's Day, Grandparents' Sunday, that the children will make a meal for their father, mother, and grandparents. Not Uber Eats, amen? Not dash, what's that? Dashboard? Make it your own from scratch. Go to panlasangpinoy.com, all right, and get a meal and just cook it out of love, out of concern, isn't it? Because you appreciate a well-cooked meal prepared by someone who loves you, isn't it? So when we come to church, you know, what it says there? We have to praise the Lord for what He has prepared for us. When we come as a church to the Lord's table, we need to eat with gratitude, to not take it for granted. You see here in our passage of Scripture, God provided manna, miraculous food to the Jewish nation in the wilderness, and all they did, as we know, is complain, murmur, gripe, 
Moses, why we're still here? We missed the garlic, the onion in Egypt. We're tired of this manna. Give us meat. We're thirsty. Give us water. That's why those people who was rescued from the Exodus in Egypt, 21 and above, they all die in the wilderness. Remember the story? And only 21 below, 20 below, that second generation lived and entered the promised land, except Joshua and the favorite son of Brother Christian, the one and only. Amen? Caleb! Those two, because they obeyed God. They trusted Moses. Even Caleb said, Lord, give me this mountain. Moses, give me this mountain. Promise me as I faithfully obey God. See? Good names. Joshua, Caleb, isn't it? But the rest complained, murmured. They died in the wilderness. They were even bitten by the snake, isn't it? Some of them were swallowed by the, by the earth, the sons of Korah. What stubborn, stiff-necked people. And we can identify sometimes, isn't it? And we complain. And we're not grateful. Lord, makikita ko na naman yung boss ko. O yung co-worker ko makulit, Lord. Alright? Oh, I'm gonna go to the subway again. I might contract something, <laughs> you know. But just trust God. Have faith. Lord, sustain me with your grace, with your strength. You know, Jesus has prepared a meal for us that cost him his life. We should appreciate how our deacons here in this church take the time to prepare and serve our communion. Also, Sister Lisa, especially Brother Gilbert. Even yung bumili ng elements, amen? Na nakasale, amen? Even more, we should appreciate the sacrifice of our Savior. Otherwise, we miss the whole point of this meal, of this communion. Number six, almost there, amen? Are you still with me? Amen. Are you there? Amen. We also need to come to God's table with loyalty or priority. All right, another P. We avoid the competition. Isn't it? If your family owned a restaurant, you would come frequently. I remember um, Sister Jay's co-worker, Sister, uh, um, she introduced him to uh, Davita and then she became a nurse manager. She used to come here. She has a restaurant here in, uh, I think, Little Falls. Oh, Little Falls. Little Ferry. <laughs> Victoria's restaurant, a small Spanish restaurant. So we came there like a couple of times, three times. Uh, we enjoyed, we enjoyed, because we patronized them, because they are fellow sister in the Lord, isn't it? and to support their business. So, if you know of a good restaurant, you will refer it to others, isn't it? You will encourage others to go there. So here, uh, in this passage of scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 22, people, uh, Paul is talking about how people try to eat, as we mentioned, at the devil's table. It also comes to God's table. We know that we serve a jealous God, amen? In the spiritual realm, the right kind of jealousy. Because God is the only God that we're supposed to worship and trust. No other gods before me, first and second commandment, isn't it? We serve a jealous God. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 22. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Of course not. So God will not be replaced with substitutes. He demands our undivided loyalty. Our priority is to be him. This was preached this morning, Amen. The Christians at Corinth were tempted to revert to the idolatrous practice of their former lives, the carnal church. And our FBI is studying the, the book of 1 Corinthians. Oh, I tell you. Isn't it? It's a blessing. You see the differences between a spiritual church and a carnal church. These problems that Paul had addressed, and one of them is that they abused the Lord's table. The rich were like given the priority, and the people that are poor are neglected. And they made it like a party instead of a solemn, you know, sacred remembrance of the Lord's suffering. So, Apostle Paul is correcting the wrong practices here. The Christians at Corinth were tempted to revert to the idolatrous practice of their former lives. So, our partaking of communion indicates that we are undivided in our commitment to Christ. Christ is our top priority. He has preeminence in our lives. Next. That's why Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20 declares about Christ's preeminence. Amen? Christ being our top priority. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? This is talking about Jesus. For by him were all things created. Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe. Amen? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 1.1. Jesus was already there. He says there, 
visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Pastor Levioko is founded on this. Christ did not just create, but he sustains what he created. He put everything in place so they will not implode or explode. Amen? So he did not just create everything, then went on a vacation. That Beth Midler song, from a distance. No, God is not from a distance. He is a personal God. He watches you and me. He watches the affairs of this world. He is involved. Amen? He is before all things, and by him all things consist. He will hold everything in its place. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Ultimately, Jesus Christ will get the glory. Because there's a verse that we always hear here, at the end of time, at the end of the day, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus truly is Christ, his Lord. Things in heaven and things in the earth, and things under the earth. Everyone, everybody, in the spiritual realm and the human realm. Lastly, amen? Number seven, we need to leave the Lord's table with a purpose. You know, this is spiritual nourishment and strength for us. But strength for what? God would have us to be energized for a purpose, and that is to serve him with all our strength. You see, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 declares, this is what we call the Shema. The proclamation, the declaration of every good Jew. All right? When they say, Hear, O Israel, Jehovah, our Elohim, is one Jehovah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. So as we partake of the bread, as the people during Christ's time partake of that miraculous bread that he multiplied five loaves and two fishes they took it in but they burn it up isn't it but if we partake of jesus christ spiritually speaking as our lord and savior we will never hunger or thirst anymore positionally speaking but still amen we eat of him every time we gather bible study worship because we want to learn more about him and thank God he invited us to come unto him, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalms 100 verse 1 declares, serve the Lord with gladness. We come here with gladness in heart. We come here with anticipation. We come here with gratefulness because we can remember and commemorate what Christ had done. This is not just a life thing, amen? This is not just part of our church calendar. It's a privilege to remember. You know, sad to say, a lot of Christians are content to sit back and get spiritually fat. It's like there's a spiritual try to fun in what they hear from their preacher that lulls them to sleep until the next time the bell rings and it's time to eat again. Nobody fall asleep today, isn't it? Thank God. My prayer is answered. Amen? Conclusion. The best food and drink we could ever partake of on this table is that we are invited to come and partake. Let's make sure and bring the right stuff with us, the right attitudes, and the right spirit. And let's be prepared as we live to prove and demonstrate the real spiritual strength and health we have by the way we serve and work for our Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. As a short invitation here, if you're not saved this afternoon, if you're not sure you have been saved and you're going to heaven, if you know you're not, but you'd like to be, we want to give this opportunity for you to come to the Lord and call upon his name to save you. Unlike the rest of us as members of this church, as I said, we are born again from heaven above. We know we are washed by the blood. We're already baptized and a believer in Christ. And by God's grace, we want to be right with God. That's why we can partake of the Lord's table. But if you're not, 
It's now time to call upon Christ to save you. Because remembering the body and blood of our Lord and how He saved us, when you do that, you will truly be receiving the real thing if you come and be saved. Is there anyone in the sound of this broadcast and in this room, you've never repented of your sin, you've never received the free gift of eternal life that Christ offered. Today is the day of salvation. Just call upon Jesus. He loves you. That's why He died on the cross for you. He shed His blood. He was buried and He rose again so He can save you from your sin and He, he can save you so you can enjoy Him forever. It's easy. It's by faith. Call upon His name like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. Forgive me of all my sins. And by faith, I ask you to save me today. Come into my heart and life to be my personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For all the Christians here, the believers, I'll give you time right now to pray. Confess your sin to God. If you have things that you've done that you know, Consciously or unconsciously, intentionally or intentionally, by word, by thought, by deed, that's not pleasing to God. Let's claim the promise as a believer in 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us from all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. While our four deacons come here in the table, distribute the elements. Can we stand please to our feet? We've been sitting for a little bit. Have prayer individually, silently.